You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Micah Beckwith. Okay. Hey, no, but in all seriousness, it is a good start to the, whether you're a Michigan fan or Ohio State fan, we have something that unifies us all, brings us together, and that is the gift of hope this Christmas season. So what we're going to talk about today is just your personal Christmas celebration. What do you do around your home? How do you share the good news? This, is, this could be called the good news celebration. The good news. Now, if you've been around Christianity for any amount of time, you've You've heard maybe a word called the gospel. Anybody know what, what the word gospel means? It means good news, right? So if you've heard, we got to go out and declare the gospel. That goes all the way back to the early church. And that, the, the, the church in Acts was declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you could, you could re- replace that word with the good news of Jesus Christ. So this is a gospel celebration. The Christmas season is all about the good news. And you know what? God desires the entire world to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, well, Micah, then why do people go to hell? Why do people die and, 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 you know, the Lord sends them to hell? You know what? God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go to hell. They choose to reject the good news. Here's what God's word says in 2 Peter. It says, the Lord is not slow about his promise as something slowness, but is patient with you not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Knowing who they are and knowing who God is and what Jesus has done for you is how you repent. So today, when we dive into this, this message, I just let your heart be open to the Lord leading you in that, in that heart of repentance. That heart to be able to first receive the good news yourself and then to share the good news. So let's pray and then ask the Lord to reveal himself to us today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here at Life Church, God. Thank you for the fun that we get to have. Thank you for the joy that you bring. We know the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Father, we ask that in the mighty name of Jesus, you would just reveal yourself to us in just, just awesome ways, Father, today. And thank you for the gospel message, the good news message of, of your son, Jesus, that you gave us so that we could have awesome, abundant life to the full and everlasting life that will never end in you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, the Christmas story could really be defined as the Great Commission story. So the Great Commission story, if you, if you don't know what the Great Commission was, that was Jesus' final command to his disciples as he was ascending into heaven. And we see in Mark 16, Mark recounts this story. Jesus says this, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So you could say it this way, Go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to all creation. Now, all creation means all people, but man, you could just be saying this to anyone, anything, just the whole world, everywhere that you go, it should just exude out of you. I remember when we had, a, we had our dog, Max, and he was 13 years old. He was part of the family. He was an amazing part of our family. We loved him. Just, you know, God, God's good. You can see God's goodness in animals, right? God, God they, they're not people. We don't value them. They're not made in the identity of Christ. We don't value them the same way that we value people, but we, we do know that that God is good in his creation, and he gives us those things so that we can, uh, so, so that we can, hey, Brent, you doing okay, man? You doing all right? <laughs> I was waiting to see if you were actually going to come back in here. Like, you good? Okay. I, I, it was like, man, I really heard him because he's not even back in. He's, it's already five minutes into the message, and you're not back yet, so. Oh! 
Oh, see, that's Ohio State. He left my hat in the urinal is what he said. So that's Ohio State fans for you. I tell you what, I was just trying to give you a gift on Christmas, man. Like, you know, <laughs> I love it. It's fun. All right. So, going, so, we, so I had Max, our dog, and, and Max was getting to the end of his life. We knew we were going to have to put him down. And, I, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about how animals have souls or anything like that. But we do know that God created animals. They were in the Garden of Eden. And we see in the new heaven and new earth there will be animals. The lion will lie with the lamb. We see all of these pictures of animals. So we know that God has created them and, and they will continue to exist with us even in eternity. So I just went to the Lord and said, Lord, I, you know, Max has been such a blessing. I know your word says that if we ask anything in your name, you'll give us, you'll give us uh, what we ask for. And so I just come before you in the name of Jesus. I said, Lord, would you just take Max into eternity? Let him be in eternity someday when we get there. Now, I, I fully expect, just because God's a good God, that when we get to heaven someday, we'll see Max. I don't know if God's going to, you know, I don't know how God does that. I don't know if he, you know, if it'll be Max, you know, his personality and a different dog. I don't know what it will be, but, but I'm just trusting that the Lord will do this. So I got down as my, Max was dying, and I just whispered in his ear, I said, Max, I know it's about, it's, it's the end for you, okay? Like, I don't know if I said it that way. That seems really heartless, right? It's the end for you, dog! <laughs> I, 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 but I remember saying, just kind of just whispering in his ear, I said, hey, I just asked God, the good God of heaven and earth, to take you into eternity so that you'll be with us someday. Because of the good news that we have in Christ. I was literally proclaiming the good news to my dog, right? Like, and I remember thinking, I was like, that's kind of weird. But I, I just, I, the Lord brought this to mind. He said, Mikey, you're doing exactly what I've called you to do. Proclaim the good news to all creation. Humans included, absolutely. But everywhere you go, proclaim what God has done. You know, the Bible says that all creation is calling out praises to God right now. All creation. And if we don't cry out, you know who will? The rocks. You know, you know, scientists have now found that rocks themselves exude a certain frequency. There's like a, there's like a noise that's, that, that it's throughout the universe. It's sending a frequency into the heavens. The Bible literally de- t- told us that. The rocks are crying out. They're declaring the, heaven, the, the, the goodness of God throughout the, all of the heavens. It should be our job as the people of God in this house to declare the good news. That's what we talk about in Christmas season. Well, actually, this is our motto all, all throughout the year. We want to take the good news here, which means in our families, our, our immediate family and our life church family. We want to take it near, which is the community, Noblesville, Hamilton County, Pendleton, Marion County, all those surrounding areas, like the state of Indiana. And then we want to take it far. We want to take it to the uttermost parts of the world. So we've, we've got these initiatives that we're working towards this Christmas, the here, near, and the far, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But what does the Bible say about those who take the gospel here, near, and far? The Bible says this, the word is near you. Now, the Bible also mentions the word being a person. His name is Jesus. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. So Jesus is literally God's word with flesh on. That's how you can understand how, how is Jesus God and God Jesus? When God spoke out his word, he put flesh on it and sent it to us. That's why Jesus says, I can't say anything the Father hasn't already said. Because I'm literally the word walking around. So the word, Jesus is near you. It is he in your mouth. It is the word in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is how you become a child of God. 
You've got to confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be a child of God. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. You believe it, and then you go tell people about it. Hey, look what I've done. We got baptisms uh, at the end of the third service here today. What are that? What's that? That is professing with your mouth, with your action. You're going to hear people being baptized. They're going to say, I believe in Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. I believe it in my heart, and now I'm confessing it to everyone. They're doing that as an act of obedience, and they're doing it because they now are part of the kingdom of God. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. You'll never lose your salvation. You believe in him, you will be wrapped in his, his arms. There's nothing that the enemy can do to pull you away from the grips of God. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, what's the name of the Lord? Jesus. You call on the name of Jesus. You know the, the devil hates the name of Jesus. You, you've seen those, those yeah, the, and if you've ever studied exorcisms, one of the most powerful things you can do if you ever come across a demonic spirit is to speak the name of Jesus. Because there's power in that name. So much so that demons flee, but even more so that when you speak the name of Jesus, you and your sin will be, your, your, your sin will be wiped, wiped away and you will be saved for all of eternity. That's how powerful the name is. There's no, there's no sin that can separate you from, from God if you profess the name of Jesus. He says he removes your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. You are made righteous because of the name of Jesus. But you got to call on that name. you got to speak it out. But to those who have never heard, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Here's a news flash for everyone. Just because I'm up here on stage doesn't mean I'm the only preacher in the room. You all are supposed to be preachers. We're all called to be preachers. You're going to go somewhere this week and someone needs to know the good news. And the Lord is saying, hey, I'm going to call you to be a preacher right now. You preach out that good news. And if you say, well, Lord, I didn't go to school for that. That's all right. He'll put the words in your mouth. You just open your mouth and, and you begin to speak the good news of Jesus Christ. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So now we have a job. This is, this is the command. So you all are preachers. Now we have to send each other off. So we've got to say, okay, hey, this is why we support missions. We have missionaries that come to the church and say, hey, here's where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And we need your financial support. Well, why do we do that? Because we know if we don't send them, then the good news ain't getting to that place. The same thing in, in your world. If we don't teach you and equip you, how are you going to be able to go into your business your school, your community, and preach the good news. That's why we come together and we learn together at church. It's so we can be equipped to be preachers of that good news. And then verse 15, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers. When people desperately need something, and then someone comes walking down the road with that thing that they desperately need, whew, it's beautiful. People will say, oh, praise the Lord. That's exactly what we needed. It's exactly what we needed. How beautiful are feet. I can, I can only imagine what those freed hostages in, in Gaza are, 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 what was going through their minds when they saw the Red Cross coming and they were being handed off to the Red Cross the last couple of days. You guys have been following that story? How beautiful of a sign when they were coming with aid and with, with, this, with this message of we're here to help finally. Somebody's here to help me right? Think about that, but it's, it's only magnified by a million. 
And that's really what our spirit is crying out for. We are, we are held hostage by sin. We're held hostage by the demonic spirits and the flesh that we have. And here comes Jesus, the, the bringer of good news, wrapped up in a little baby, the infant in Bethlehem. And he's bringing that good news so that we can be freed and no longer hostages, but set free as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. How beautiful are the feet who bring that good news. So again, this Christmas, we have three initiatives. We always go here, near, and far. The far, we're working with Cambodia, the Train Up Children's Home in Cambodia. If you, when you walked in or on your seats, we got the Asia-Pacific uh, binders there. that You can see what, what we're doing there through the Stone Table Ministry. And on your way out, we've got a little uh, origami that, the, that the, the children in, in this children's home have created for us here at Life Church so that you can take one and stick it on your fridge and remember to, to pray for them, right? Pray for them and and ask that the Lord would, would bless them and would pour his spirit out upon them and that they too would know the good news and, and then they would send the good news out to, to where they are. And then we have the NEAR initiative, which is the Agape Wellness Center, Center Dr. Sue and Vinod Palakanda. They had the trailer here last week that many of us got to walk through. It says Agape Wellness Clinic and it's helping people get whole physically but also spiritually. So we've invested into that and that's going to be an amazing uh, amazing uh, gift and, and, and blessing to our community. And then we have the HERE initiative, which is your family, the Life Church family, but also your family. And today, that's really what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to be the beautiful feet that carry the gospel message into your own immediate family. Isaiah 52 says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. That's your job. Your feet are supposed to do this. When people think of you, they should think, that person blessed me because they brought the good news of Jesus into my world. I need that. I, I, I'm so grateful. Now, this is a prophetic look at Jesus proclaiming the good news, but also, if, if we're in Christ and he's in us, then we're supposed to act like he acts and do what he does. We, too, get to be that, those feet that go to the mountains and, and proclaim, your God reigns. Now, if you think about feet, you don't always think about like beautiful feet. So I was, this is weird. I was googling feet, uh, and uh, it's kind of yeah, it, exactly. It's kind of gross, right? So I was like, okay, feet, not doing feet. But I did find some cool shoes, okay, that I think we might know. So here's like a little test. You guys, you recognize the the shoes or the feet that are encapsulated by shoes of these people, probably. Who's this? Goofy. Yeah, wow, Goofy, great. I, you guys got that one down to to science. Okay, who's this one? Michael Jordan. That's amazing, right? That you can just look at somebody's sneakers like that. These, by the way, it is Michael Jordan. This is like old school. Look at that jersey. That's like cursive writing. That was like probably when he was a rookie. Uh, these shoes I found out went for $71,000 at auction, which I thought was a little undervalued personally. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right. Uh, the, but the, isn't it amazing? Just those feet right there, because his feet were in those shoes. Those shoes are worth $71,000 to somebody, right? Crazy, right? Okay, whose feet are these? <laughs> no, this is me uh, when I, after the pool uh, the other day, so I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. It's Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. You remember that? The Hobbit, right? Now, if, uh, you know, if I were going to be in CVS, I'd swing by uh, some razors and get, you know, hey, Bilbo, here, man, like, you need, you need some help here. That's kind of gross. All right, whose feet are these? Oh, yeah, right. Without a doubt, Iron Man, okay? And there's Tony Stark making the feet, right? 
Uh, technically, it's not Tony Stark. We can look at the feet of the one who was in the Iron Man suit, Robert Downey Jr. Okay, this is just him on a beach, right? Here's his foot up close. There you go. That's kind of the gross feet, right? There you go, Omar. You're like, oh, why? Why are you showing me this, Pastor Micah? Beautiful are the feet that carry the message of the gospel, right? So, and you might be thinking, those aren't beautiful feet, but these are beautiful feet. Look at this. Oh, right? Yeah, I know, right? You know, it just, you know, it covers a multitude of sins. I can show you Robert, da- Robert uh, Downey Jr.'s feet, and then you're like, gross, and you see that, and you're like, oh. But this is what the Lord chose to encapsulate the good news of heaven into. A little baby in a manger was the climax of heaven's good news. Those little, innocent, precious feet. Again, Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, was now helpless in the sense of a, he's in a baby's body. He needed Mary and Joseph to take care of him. God used flawed humans like Mary and Joseph to care for the word made flesh, the good news that would be the, that would be the message that the world has desperately been waiting for for generations. And here we have in the precious feet of a little baby in that manger. The feet of Jesus bringing the gospel started in the city of David. If you've been with us the last few, uh, last, well, last year and a half, we've been in First and Second Samuel, and we've really been studying the life of King David. And David is not a, a perfect character by any means, any stretch of the imagination, but the Lord used David to set up the line that he would then, he would then be the root of that good news, the gospel message. And it started in the city of David, which is known as Bethlehem. We can find this in Luke chapter 2. If you go to Luke chapter 2, it says this. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said, you know what, actually, I think we got, I, I don't do this passage justice. I know somebody who does this passage way more justice than me. Check it, check it out. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's the good news of Christmas right there. Now, Linus... If you notice, he always has his security blanket with him. When Charles Schultz wrote the, the Peanuts uh, cartoon, he, he made, made sure that Linus would always carry the security blanket. And this is the one place where he actually drops the security blanket. When he says, and the, the angel said, don't be afraid. 
he drops the blanket. And what, what Charles Schultz is doing in that moment, he's saying, there is one answer to having hope and security and safety and blessing, and that is in the one who brings the good news, that is in the good news, Jesus Christ. And so that, it's a really cool little, little piece of that story there. But that, that has been what the world has been longing for for generations, is, is the good news that somebody has come to rescue us in our filth, in our destruction, in our, in our depravity. In Luke 2, going back to verse 7, right before the angels, we see a picture of Mary and Joseph. And Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. So we may, we may have heard, read this many times over, and there's no room for him in the inn. You may be thinking the Motel 6. You may be thinking a Holiday Inn Express. You may be thinking some sort of mo- like hotel experience. No, that's not really what it was. The inn, and, and I'm just going to take you through a little bit of the backstory of Christmas, just so that you, you really have an idea of what God was doing. If you don't know the context of the times, sometimes you miss what God is really trying to say, because that's 2,000 years ago. Times have changed a little bit. The inn is a Greek word called kataluma. It's not really a hotel. It, was, it would have been one of David's relatives' homes. And the inn was just the sleeping quarters of the house. It was upstairs. It was not where the animals lived downstairs. The animals, they would bring them in downstairs, almost like a, a downstairs garage. It would be like saying, hey, Mary and Joseph, we don't have room for you. We have all the family in from town, from out of town, and we don't have room for you in the house. But if you want to go down, we, we live on a tri-level. If you want to go down to the base or to the main floor where the guitar, where the guitars, oh my gosh, where the cars, where, that's where I, I keep all my guitars in the garage, obviously. You know, I've got a, I got a guitar garage. Uh, now, where the cars are, if you want to sleep there, you can. But we just don't have room for you in the house. That's really what the inn was. There's a, there's a nativity, a, a famous etching by a, an artist named Albrecht Durer in 1504. He, he did this, it's called nativity. And this would give you a really good look of probably what was similar in the town of David. Uh, something like this. So the family would be sleeping up here and Mary and Joseph arrive because they have to go back to the city of origin where their family is rooted in. And they've got to go and give, a, give an account for who they are. So they arrive and they go to their uncle's house or their long-lost family member's house and say, hey, we're here. Can we stay? Hey, there's no room up here, but we do have a place where all the animals, like where we bring in the animals at night so predators and thieves won't get them. If you want to sleep down there, you can. And that's where they would have been in this, in this moment. The point of telling you this is to let you know that Mary and Joseph were extremely poor they were extremely poor. You, wouldn't, you would not do this to a wealthy, high-esteemed family member. You would make room. You would kick somebody else out. But they were the lowest of the low in this family, so they got, they've got the manger. Now, the picture of a, of a manger is not even that. I feel like this, this is Melissa and my wife Susan. They all, are they in here to, today? And Melissa's not, right, not here right now. But, uh, and then Shannon Macy and a bunch of people helped put this together. But that manger looks really kind of comfortable right now with the hay. Like, I feel like, you know, if I was a little kid, that would be actually kind of nice. That's not the, the manger that most likely Mary put Joseph in. Mary would, or put Joseph in, put Jesus in. <laughs> Honey, get in that manger. You're, I'm not, <laughs> you sleep in there. I, I want the bed. All right. Uh, but Mary and Joseph would have laid Jesus in something that looked a lot more like this right here. So this would have been a carved out stone with food and water that that the animals would eat out of. So she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, really tight clothes, and laid laid the baby in in this manger right here. Again, telling you all of this because this is one of the dirtiest places 
that, that earth has at the time. It's where the animals hang out. They're super poor. The God of the universe, who is the most wealthy, he, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, is what the scripture says of him. There's no one that's ever been like him, no one that will ever be like him. There's no one like him. And yet he chose to come into one of the most dirtiest places of that culture to meet us as human beings. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that God would choose this picture of a dirty, low-class, filthy place for him to step into? The picture's important because guess what? Every single one of our hearts before we met Jesus was just as dirty, just as filthy as what we see in that picture in the manger. And you know what? God chose to, to go there. He can come to your dirtiest places. That's what he does. He says, listen, you don't have to clean up and then come to me. No, 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 no. He didn't, he didn't call Mary and Joseph to go find and build a house for him. He didn't say, hey, he could have. He could have done what he did with Noah. Say, hey, I'm going to give you, uh, you know, time, build this boat, you know, and we're going to do something. He could have said to Mary and Joseph, hey, I'm going to give you time. I'm coming. Build a nice house. Build a castle. Build a kingdom for me, and I'll come. No, no, no. He just came into the dirtiest. I mean, kings would never ever imagined stepping into a situation like this, let alone the king of the universe. And yet he chose to meet humanity there. God will meet you anywhere you are. That's the beauty of the gospel of good news. God will meet you in your dirtiest place. There's not anything that you need to hide from God because he's seen the dirtiest. If you think, oh man, I can't give this aspect, this sin or this thing over to the Lord right now because he just might not understand. No, he does. He understands really well and he's chosen to meet you there. Just give it over to him. Just let him in. You don't, need to get, you don't need to get cleaned out. You don't need to change. Just let him in, and he will do the cleaning out, and he will do the changing. That's all you got to do. Just open the door and let him come in, just like what happened on that very first Christmas morning. I've heard it said the dirty manger scene proclaims that all are welcome at the stable in Bethlehem. All are welcome. Now, the devil will take phrases sometimes, and he'll use the truth in a phrase, and he'll warp them to push his sin and his wickedness in. This phrase right now, if you drive by most churches that say, all are welcome, there's usually a big pride flag or something flying next to it. Just so you know, this is not what this is saying right here. It's not saying that your sin is welcome in the kingdom of heaven. No, no, no. There is no sin when you're around a holy God. You are welcome to open your heart so that the Lord can come in and clean you of all unrighteousness right? All are welcome to that, but you've got to be, you got to be ready for the Lord to clean you of that, that sin that you love, that sin that, that you think is just who you are. Nope, that's not the case. You got to be ready for the Lord to clean you of that, but if you want it, you're welcome to it. If you want it, it's for you. All are welcome. The devil takes little phrases like that, he twists them, and then he pushes his own agenda, so next time you're, you're driving by a church or you're driving by someplace that says all are welcome, just say, Lord, thank you that you are the one who takes my sin and cleans me of all unrighteousness. That's what that phrase should mean in our culture today. The, and the manger proclaims that. The Great Commission has to start in your home. If you're going to take it near and far, it's got to start in the here. You can't go out and give some, somebody something that you've never had yourself. It would be like trying to put out your neighbor's fire in their house when your house is burning to the ground. You got to take care of your house. You got to get your kids out. You got to protect that. You got to make sure it's solid there so then you can run over and you can help your neighbors. You're not really going to be able to help your neighbors very well if you're, trying to, if you're trying to make sure that you yourself haven't 
ever accepted the, the good news of Jesus Christ. So it's got to start here. So how do you do that? Today we're going to look at just a few practical steps on how you can take the good news into your family experiences this Christmas. This is a real practical message. I just want to give you a, a few just pointers that I've learned that some of them I'm not very good at. I'm going to tell you that right now, okay? This is, this is what I know I should do. It's not always what I do do, okay? And yes, I just said do do. Okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> As it was coming out of my mouth, like, don't say, oh, as you said it. Now every middle school boy in here is going to be like, you said doo-doo from the stage. All right. All right. Great. Wonderful. How to share the good news in your home. Start with the Christmas story. Read Luke 2. Or even pull up that, pass, or that little video on YouTube of Linus re, uh, telling the, the Christmas story. That's what Christmas is all about. Reading that story is powerful. Here's what the Lord says. When you echo the words of God. This is what God says about his word. He says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. Some, tr some translations say, my word will not return void. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You may have some family members that are so hardened to the gospel message. That's okay. Just speak out Luke chapter 2. Say, hey, can we just take a moment and just read what Christmas you know what a lot of people celebrate Christmas for, the reason for the season? And you're going to find that a lot of people are going to be okay with, with that. They're going to, there might be some people who say, no, I don't want that. But there will be, most people will say, yeah, that's fine, you can read that. And as you're reading that, that word is powerful. It's going right to their hearts. It's going right to the, to the, the places it needs to go. And the Bible's very clear, it will not return void. We do this in remembrance. A lot of times when you hear those, that phrase, do this in remembrance, we're taking communion, Right? I'm going to tell you right now, this is, there's a lot of ways we can remember what God has done for us. There's a lot of things we can do to remember the gift of Jesus Christ. Reading the gospel message before you start your festivities is a great way to do this in remembrance of the reason for the season of the good news. Continue with your story. Number two, continue with your story. Everybody's story is powerful. No matter what you think you are, God can use it in amazing ways if you let him. You may say, I don't have a great testimony, Mike. I don't have a great story. No, that's all right. You might be exactly the story somebody needs to hear, but you got to know how to share your story. Here's what the Bible says about being ready to share your story. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. If someone asks about your hope, remember the gift of hope is the season or the series of this, this Christmas season here at Life Church. When people ask you about that gift of hope, as a believer, we should always be ready to explain it. We should always be ready to tell people your story. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be deep theologically. It just has to be your story. Just be honest with them. Say, this is what I know to be true about who God is in my life. I've been struggling, and this is where the Lord has shown up. I didn't think I had hope, and then I met this guy named Jesus. The good news. Someone told me the good news, and look at what it's done for me. Be ready to share your story. Everything uh, and as you're sharing your story, remember that you got to, after you give your testimony, make sure you guard your mouth. Because once you share your story, you could just be, you know, shooting the breeze with somebody. And your mouth might be a little bit on the uh, rough side. You may, be, you may be saying and talking a lot of what the world says and talks about. You may be sounding a lot about just the normal average non-Christian. And that's going to hurt your testimony. It's going to hurt your story a little bit. Now, I'm not here to say you can't say this or you can say this. That's, that's legalism. I'm here to say, think about how this is coming off to the person that you're trying to communicate the good news to. I'm not, I'm not against drinking alcohol. Jesus turned water into wine. Alcohol in itself is not evil. 
What I am against is when you're drinking alcohol around people who have a struggling uh, problem with, with an alcoholic addiction. Think about how this is being perceived by the people that you're around. It's the same thing with your mouth. You, you can, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say you got to say this or not say this. Just think about how it's coming off to the people that just heard your story. And when you're surrounded by family and things get a little bit lighthearted, it's easy to forget that everything that comes out of your mouth is a reflection of your testimony. So guard your mouth. James says it this way in chapter 3. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we also curse human beings who have been made in the image of God. This is the, the James before this, he says, the tongue is like a little spark in the, in the forest. It can, a spark can just turn into a big forest fire really quick. And that's what the tongue is like. Out of the same mouth come, comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? You can't be talking about the gospel story, the good news, one moment, and then the next moment be turning around and, and sounding just like the world sounds. It's, it's going to be like salt water and fresh water trying to flow out of the same stream. It's impossible. It's not going to work well in, in the end. Number four. Now, remember when I said I'm not good at some of these? My wife's back there. She's giving me the, she's like, oh, yeah, this one you need to learn there, uh, Pastor Micah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't call me Pastor Micah, by the way. <laughs> uh, okay. Keep moving on. All right. So uh, the, leave the TV off or the phone. Put the phone away. Now, I'm, again, there are some things you just you have to watch, like the Michigan-Ohio State game during Thanksgiving. Okay? Like, like Scott, yeah, right? Amen. Can I get an amen, brother? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but, but do, it, do it as a reflection of being people-focused. So you can, you can be gathered around the TV. You can, you can certainly do things on your phone. We're not saying like don't. But just know that it's about the people. I remember when I was wor first working in ministry, I was at White River Christian Church. And I just started in the youth ministry. And I was working on getting a Sunday set designed, working on the lights, working on the music, working on the charts for the band and all that stuff. And this kid walked into my office. And I could just tell that he needed, he needed someone to talk with. He needed someone to just sort of be with him in the moment. He's having a rough week. And, and I kind of shoot him away pretty quick. I did not put time into, into ministering to him at all. And uh, as he walked out of my office, man, the Lord just hit me with a, like a ton of bricks, just flew in my face of conviction. He said, Micah, you have just forgotten the most important thing about ministry, and that is the people that I've called you to minister to. He said, if you will not put people first, then I can't use you in ministry. And I think he was saying that to me, that's just a general, all, our whole life is a ministry. Whether you're in business, whether you're in, in, in a church, whether you're in a school, whether, wherever you are, if you put people first, God will bless it because God cares about people first. He really does. He wouldn't have come to the earth if he didn't care about people first. He cares about you and he was willing to put aside everything else to come and rescue you. We should have that same heart. God focuses on people his focus on people, yours should be as well. Number five, be present. Some of you need to hear that again. Don't just bring presents, be present, right? It's like the parents who don't really want to spend time with their kids. They'll just buy their kids whatever they ask for because they're using it as a way to cope so that they don't have to be present with the child. It takes a lot of work to be present sometimes. Trust me, I get it. I want to just check out too. Come home from a long day and you're just like, okay, I just need to chill. But be present. You will never regret being present with those you love. 
when you get to the end of your life, you're not going to be like, oh, I, I'm so glad I gave that present to that person, right? I'm, I'm so glad I bought that thing. You're going to say, no, no, I'm so glad I had time to spend with, with that person. Be present in the midst of giving presents. Don't forget to make sure you're there. Now, the other aspect to this I want to add is learn to be a Mary rather than a Martha. Now, now hear me. I'm, I'm going to explain the story here in Scripture. We see the difference between Mary and Martha. This is not to say Martha is a bad thing. Some people have the gift of being a Martha. But let me explain to you the difference here. This is Jesus. He's walking through the town of Bethany. He's coming with his disciples. And a lady who has the gift of hospitality, her name was Martha. Her gift was to make sure everyone felt welcomed and comfortable. And that's a good gift. That's actually a spiritual gift. Many of you have it. I've experienced that from many of you. You've got the gift that Martha had. The problem is she didn't know when to just be present. And here's what happened. Jesus and his disciples came to the village of Bethany where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now keep in mind, Jesus would have never gone to Martha's house had not Martha, the gift of hospitality, reached out to Jesus and said, hey, come to my house, right? So, so that's, the, that's the plus of being a, a Martha. We need Marthas in our life, right? But she then called to Mary. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Keep in mind, not bad preparations, but she was distracted. Let me ask a question. If Jesus showed up in human flesh and form right now, and he said, I'm going to come to your house. <laughs> okay, think about that. This is what was going on. Would you be like worrying about the cooking or the cleaning or I hope not. I hope we'd all just be sitting at his feet saying, tell, tell us what you want us to know. Teach us. Like, ex, like, give us revelation, right? Like, I think that's what Mary was getting at. She's like, we've got, we've got the Son of God here. Let's just go hang out with him instead of being in the kitchen, being distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to the Lord and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. How many of you have prayed to the Lord? Lord, tell my spouse to do this. My wife just laughed. If you heard that laugh, that was my wife. Right? Yes, I know, right? This happens. We do this a lot, right? Lord, just tell him. Just tell her. Just do this. And here's the Lord's response. The Lord says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I don't know how Jesus gets away with that. I, I try this at home. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> Must be the tone or something. All right. But few things are needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, listen, you only got a few short moments to be with me while I'm in your home. Just take advantage of that. Don't miss those opportunities to be present. Number six, ignore the date on the calendar. Here's what you need. Here's what I mean by this. I don't know who needs to hear this today. All right. But Jesus wasn't actually born on December 25th, all right? <laughs> I know, right? Already, I'm, I'm like, I'm busting some sacred cows right now. He was probably born in the springtime, considering where the shepherds were and what was going on around them, all right? But, but sometimes we turn the date into a sacred cow. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we make the tradition more important than the reason for the tradition. I, I remember, I've been at churches before, where we've had a cross up on the stage, right? And it's a beautiful cross, but the moment you move it or take it off the stage or you, yeah, people just lose their minds. And I have to have these conversations with people sometimes say, guys, first of all, 
Jesus wasn't hanging on that actual cross, okay? <laughs> and second of all, that's just a symbol of who we are here for. It's just a symbol of what we're celebrating. The same is true for December 25th. You can have Christmas every single day. You could have Christmas in the middle of October, okay? Now, again, I will call you out on that because Thanksgiving hasn't happened, okay? So you'll get people like me who say that should be illegal, but you can and you should do that every single day, celebrate Christmas. So why, why is this important? Because sometimes when we have families change, when we have in-laws coming into the family, people are fighting over that sacred date. You gotta give me Christmas this morning. In the morning of Christmas, if I don't get it, then it ruins everything. No, ignore the date. You can have the beauty of that Christmas experience anytime during the Christmas season. Just be about the people. Be about the reason for the season. And number seven, don't pick a fight. Look for opportunities for the good news to bring us together. Now, I like talking about politics during family get-togethers, okay? <laughs> I know you're told you're not allowed to do that, right? I think we're in some of the, re the reason the world is in the state of being that it's in is because the church has not talked about these things that are so important, which is politics and religion. The two most important things that we have in, in society, how government works and how faith interacts with people. Those are the two most important things going all the way back after the fall of man. That was the, that was, that's what we should be talking about. However, there are right ways to talk about it, and there are wrong ways to talk about it. And there are right times to talk about it, and there are wrong times to talk about it. Okay, so I can pick my battles, and I can also say it in a way that doesn't necessarily start a fight. When you go into these Christmas celebrations, remember it's all about bringing unity together, unity around what God says is true. Now, there will be times where you can't unify around something because it's not what God says is true. I'm not asking you to be, a, be unified for the sake of unity. I mean, all of Nazi Germany was unified around Hitler in the 1930s. That was a bad move, okay? They shouldn't have been unified around that, but they were. Unity is not always good. Be unified around what God says is good. And when you do that, you're going to find peace. You're going to find an awesome opportunity to bring the hope and, and, and to change the atmosphere. And there's a great story. I want to play this little clip for you. There's a great story. This is a true story that happened in 1914 during the Great War, World War I, Two sides were going, were bitterly fighting each other on Christmas Day, or up, leading up to Christmas Day, and it was the British and the Germans. And this is what happened in 1914 because people were willing to put aside their differences and to remember the reason for the season. Check it out. Jenkins. Oakley. No.
Ein Britter kommt! Ein Britter kommt! Jim? Jim, komm, komm, Jimmy! Halt! Er ist nicht bewaffnet! Nein, Otto! My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, schön, um, schön. Arms. That's the song that's being played in the background. And, and that's what the hope of the season, the hope of Jesus Christ, that's what the good news of those who bring the gospel, the feet are beautiful. Why? Because you're bringing a hope that the bad things in this world will come to an end someday. God will write all the things and whatever is going on in your life, all of those things that are just keeping you up at night, just know the hope is here. And if you've never experienced the hope of Jesus Christ, all you got to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you too will have that same hope. That's the beauty of the season. God was an incredibly generous God when he gave his only unique son, his only begotten son. We can be generous by giving the hope of the world to those around us as well. John 3.16 says this, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, cling to, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish or come to destruction or be lost, but will have eternal everlasting life. There's, I know the devil likes to whisper in our ears like, oh, you, you've fallen away from the good graces of God. All you have to do is you have to say, devil, all I got to do is declare with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and I'm saved. Yeah, he'll whisper in your ears. He'll say, you did this and you did that. And remember that time when that thing happened and you can't be loved by God. No, no, no. God came to the dirtiest of places as a baby in the physical world. He's coming to the dirtiest of places as a spirit in the whole, with the Holy Spirit in your world, in your heart. When you're generous, 
with that good news, you begin to look like God. You begin to tell others, hey, this is amazing. I'm, I'm going to give you the shirt off my back so that you will know the Lord. You're looking like the Father, and children act and look like their parents. And finally, consider who else needs the gospel. Romans 10, 15, like we started this whole message on. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Consider who might need your invitation. On your way out, we have these invite cards for our Christmas service so that you can, you can write something on the back. There's four of them. There's just the cluster of four. Think of four people that you can invite that need to know the good news because if that word is spoken to them, we know it won't return void. And it just might be that 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, 10,000 years down the road, you find them in heaven. You come across their paths in the new heaven and the new earth. And they say, you remember that invite card that you gave me where you wrote a special note on the back of it and invited me to come and experience the good news? I did that Christmas and it changed my eternity. Thank you for being the beautiful feet that brought the good news to me. When I thought hope was lost, you brought the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who declare the good news. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.